of Behind the Lens. I'm Debbie Elias, film critic, creator, and host of Behind the Lens. Where we go, behind the lens, below the line, with the movers, the shakers, the film and TV makers, the producers, the writers, the directors, the actors, the cinematographers, the editors, the sound editors, sound mixers, film editors, costume designers, production designers, you name it, and we talk to them. Uh, and we're going to do a lot of talking today, but just remember next week is our last show for 2022. I can't believe it. I know Pam can believe it. Cause she's like, whoo, I get two weeks off. I don't have to come in early on Mondays. Um, so, <laughs> okay. That's, that's some trepidation on her face there, but, uh, no, just two more, two shows for 2022 left. Uh, and then when we come back in 2023, uh, we'll be kicking off year nine of Behind the Lens. But, you know, we're in the midst, in the thick of award seasons. Uh, a lot of the guilds, a lot of the critics associate, the critics associations in particular have been announcing winners. Uh, Golden Globe nominees were announced this morning. Um, interesting, interesting mix. And maybe at the end, of, at the tail end of the show today, we'll get into that. But right now, I'm so excited. Uh, today is dedicated to a series that I am in love with. It is a streaming series. You can stream it on Tubi, uh, on Redbird Entertainment. It is called Grounded. And who doesn't love superheroes? I know all of us do. The box office and the, and the billions of dollars for the MCU certainly indicate that. Uh, but this is a rather unique superhero tale. There's a global virus, a pandemic, not COVID. No, no. This is a very interesting uh, kind of pandemic that uh, I'm going to let the boys explain to you in a second here. But what all the, su- all the superheroes and the supervillains, they're on lockdown too. So what do you do when you can't save the world or wreak madness and mayhem? And that's what this explores. It is hits every trope in the book. It is satire. It is funny as can be. I laughed through the trailer, and I was like, I got to see this. I binged the entire eight episodes, and then I, I want to go back and see them again because it's so funny. And... The magic of all of this, it was shot at the height of COVID, during lockdown, even before all the protocols and everything were coming out. And the brains behind this operation are with us today. They are on the phone right now. I'm going to bring them live. Carl Reed and Enrico Enrico Natale are with us. Uh, The creators, Carl was a writer. They're both co-directors. Enrique also stars. Uh, He is also the editor. So... Without any further ado, let's bring the boys on here. Carl, Enrique, or Enrico, are you there? We're here. You're there. Welcome, welcome to Behind the Lens. How are you guys? We're great. Thank you We're so good. much. Well, you should be great. You've got this terrific series that is beyond funny. And everybody can see it, and they can see it free. And who doesn't like free? This is America, the land of free gift with purchase, and in some cases just free, no purchase necessary. Um, But grounded, it is not your typical made-during-COVID lockdown film or series. And this is one of the outstanding factors that really, you capitalized on a situation 
and mandated protocols, lockdowns, but you turned it around and rather than do a bunch of little Zoom screens with 20 people on a screen as that is your film, no, you went above and beyond. So this feels, it is shot, although with minimal crew, shot with crew, live bodies, in person. You do have some things done via Zoom, but it's done within the context of one person watch, real life person in their house, in their living room. So we get the sense of it's just somebody sitting down, look at the computer, and it's not, this is how the everything is just programmed. Um, <laughs> I just I just love it. But the premise is, it's great. We have superheroes and supervillains, and they're on lockdown too. Um, that presents a bit of a problem <laughs> when they don't know what they're supposed to do. And they're being treated like the rest of, of us poor, poor, unsuperhero-y people. And they're subjected to the same rules that we have to follow. But that's about where it ends. And you deviate and you really build on this. Starting with <clears throat> the uh, reason for the pandemic. Gentlemen, would you please explain to the listening audience... What kind of pandemic has afflicted the world? <laughs> Carl, you, you can take this one, buddy. Am, am I going to take responsibility? I mean, I guess I should make it up. Uh, yeah, it's it's a explosive uh, bout of uh, rainbow diarrhea, which is really not something that you want to catch. Uh, we 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 wanted, you know, it's a comedy, so we wanted to remove ourselves as much from the actual effects of something like COVID and, and, you know, turn it into something that could maybe put a smile on people's face instead. Well, the whole idea of rainbow <laughs> diarrhea <laughs> and is just in and of itself. That is just hilarious. Hilarious. <laughs> but then you, you have a call on a VFX wizard, Mark Renton, who then brings things like the rainbow aspect to life for us in various ways on screen through visual effects. Um, but I, <laughs> this begs the big question, why rainbow diarrhea? I, it, it just, kids everywhere will love well, it. A... Kids will love it. <laughs> yeah, I well, probably not if you have it. But yeah, um, there's a payoff. There is an actual payoff to it. Uh, by the end of the series, mm -hmm. we're kind of hinting that this might be, um, you know, uh, supernatural in origin. And uh, we kind of, if you pay close attention to some details, uh, you might be able to guess what the, the actual origin of the, the entire uh, virus might be. But, um, you know, you'll have to watch and find out. Well, and plus it makes for some really great TikTok challenges with the kids, you know. <laughs> Look, kids, I I don't care if they were in the the twenties, the thirties, the forties, the fifties, the sixties, the seventies, the the aughts. Kids love jokes about poop. <laughs> they love poop. I, mean, I know a lot of adults that like jokes about poop too. I mean, it's just really I don't know what it is, but there's just something about it. And then you throw in rainbow and, you know, little girls are going to think, oh, rainbow unicorns. Um, so you're hitting, you, you know, you're covering all the bases here. With, all the demographics. <laughs> all the demographics with this. But what you do, and I really want to dive into, into this with you. You've got eight episodes and they're structured out. They're broken out really well. Each episode, a superhero, supervillain gets showcased, essentially, which is really nice. Uh, but there are. You have lots of little breadcrumbs along the way. So Carl is writing this. I'm really curious. Did you write this whole thing out at one time and then start breaking it down into the episodes? 
uh, because there is great cohesiveness here. This could be just a film, put it all together in a film standalone. It's that cohesive. Oh, thank you. So, yeah, uh, um, I, I did. Yeah, I did write it all at once. Um, I wrote it in about three days, I think. Um, we originally structured it into every episode had to have a cliffhanger. Like that was something we knew that we wanted just to keep the binging viewership um, entertained. Um, and then the payoff kind of, we knew, that was one of the first things that I knew going in. I, I wanted to, uh, to end on a really big note. Um, so, you know, it was, it was fun trying to figure out, okay, at first we thought we were going to do like a 10 to 15 minute show per episode, but then we realized we have enough here to turn these into eight, uh, half hour episodes. Mm-hmm. So that was, um, that was Enrico with his editing skills and myself kind of sitting down and, and trying to figure out, okay, what are some points we can mash together? And then I wrote additional material um, to fill everything out. Uh, we did some pickups and we, you know, we got the show where it needed to be for a full season. Yeah. I'm, I just think the way you have it broken out is so well done. And, but it's because of the way you have it structured with those breadcrumbs along the way. You dot the I's for us if we're paying attention. But you don't do it, you don't do it overtly, though. Uh, you know, you, you have to be paying attention to pick up on a lot of this as we're going along. But mm-hmm. this, yeah. this is a testament to you, Enrico, with your editing. Um, because this, it, you hold where it's funny, you give us the moments because uh, there are some very serious moments in a couple of the episodes. Uh, you don't shortchange us on the emotional beats or the comedy beats. So I'm curious for you as an editor, how challenging was this to divvy up the episodes and f- keep that pace and find all of those beats that you need? I mean, it was, it was challenging in a number of ways just because, you know, everyone wasn't in the same place. You know, traditionally, when you shoot a film, when you shoot a television show, you, your actors are speaking to each other. You know, you either have two cameras shooting, you know, dual, dual cameras, or, you know, you shoot one way and you shoot the other, and the actors can work off of each other. All of our actors, every single scene where people are speaking to each other outside of the, the Monica and Victor scenes, nobody was in the same place. And so, you know, all of those scenes were done remotely uh, with uh, everyone sending in footage uh, and then having to cut that in. So that was a real challenge in terms of, like, understanding the pace and and making sure that the the timing was there. So you're essentially cutting uh, the, the timing for every single scene in post. You know, you, you have to you have to decide when the beat for the comedy beat is, or you have to decide when to take a longer pause for the dramatic hit, or you know. And so it, it, that was a real challenge. But I think you know, look, if there's one thing we had during the pandemic, it was time. <laughs> so you know, we we, we spent a, a a great deal of time. You know, I would do I would do cuts, and then uh, you know, Carl and I would zoom, we'd watch them, we'd talk through them. And, and finesse and tweak and we would just do that until we're really happy with uh but you know i think we started off doing major scenes mm-hmm. um to begin just to feel those rhythms and like one of the first ones we did was the sidekick character elliot um <laughs> and we were super happy with that you know we watched that probably a hundred times you know just uh just because <laughs> it was just you know a uh, jared jared winkler he's elliot. adorable as elliot I love the character uh, <laughs> of Elliot. <laughs> he uh, he had us laughing very hard, and uh, you know he's uh, super talented. And like, you know, it, it was uh, it was really nice and refreshing to see um, those like a large scene like that cut together, and then understand kind of how he piece everything else around it and make it uh, cohesive, like you said. Mm-hmm. But now, Enrico, this begs a huge question for you because. You are Victor Vance, a.k.a. Paradigm. Um, <laughs> you, know, you had to cut yourself. Yeah. 
You know, Carl, did you have to intercede here to make sure that things <laughs> that needed to be cut, uh, Victor slash Paradigm, were cut? Uh, or did you just let Enrico, you know, run huckledy buck with this? <laughs> he, he had decent objectivity, um, so I, I trusted uh, Rico's judgment. I mean, you know, there weren't too many shots that just lingered on his beautiful face for, for very long. So, you know, <laughs> if anything, if anything uh, Carl had to hear me complain about myself, I'm sure, too many times. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, it was it was definitely I, I definitely relied on on Carl for for that because you know uh cutting yourself is never easy i've done it a number of times now in my career but uh you know you're always the most critical of yourself so um you know having someone else there to be like no that's that looks fine or you know this is a great shot or no you don't have a double chin in this and you know don't worry about that or whatever you know it's, it's good to have my solution is always cut me nobody needs to see me it's it, if I do video interviews or it's one reason I don't zoom. You don't need to see me. It's the talent. Talent is all that matters. You know. Mm-hmm. So, but no, I I just wondered. I'm glad you know you had objectivity, Enrico. I'm glad, Carl, you were there to oversee this. But <laughs> what is so beautiful here with this is all these characters that we get to meet in each episode, and. I have to say, number one, we've got, Enrico, Enrico, we've got you as Paradigm and the mild-mannered therapist, Victor Vance, which, as we quickly find out, Victor's more in need of a therapist than anybody calling him for therapy. Um, But you play that so well, and casting Kaylee McCormick as Lydia, one of the patients... She really grounds this entire series. She is the one, con- the grounded constant through every episode. And the chemistry that comes across and the rapport that you have with her, Enrico, is fabulous. That really just, it's, it nails the grounding of this, of this series. And it's, it's fantastic. Uh-oh. It is fantastic. Well, that's wonderful to hear. You know, we we love Kaylee. We adore yeah. her. But I, I think that she's just an absolutely incredible actress. And, uh, you know, I tell her all the time. And uh, she's, she's a, a dear friend, someone I've known for, for a while. And uh, I've always thought she was special. And uh, I, but I totally, we totally agree with you. I mean, she grounds the show. You know, she quite literally, she grounds the show. She, she makes, she brings us back to reality. And, and mm-hmm. she's so natural and charming. Uh, it's it's hard not to love her performance. And Carl, you gave her some incredible dialogue, some real common sense, thoughtful dialogue. Did oh, thank you. Did Kaylee and everyone else? Did they have to stick to structured dialogue, or did you give them freedom to ad lib? Um, you know, it was pretty because of the nature of how we had to shoot mm-hmm. um people had to be kind of precise uh or at least kind of more so than you know if we were on set with them and we could open up some ad-lib takes um so it was pretty direct for the most part but obviously it's her personality and character and and rapport like even even when we first cast her and we did a chemistry read you know uh she and rico we were just like there's no other choice like this this is yeah. definitely <laughs> exactly who we need for this to to make the show you know feel like we have a window as as regular people into this you know larger than life world and 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 that relationship between victor and and lydia is the heart of the show um and without it i don't think we have anything nearly as affecting so you know there was there was no other choice but but kaylee for the role yeah i mean she is outstanding but it is there's a great chemistry between Enrico and Kaylee. And that just really comes across. And it really shows... I love the chemistry there more than I hate to say it, Enrico. Your own wife had to play your wife, Monica, (laughs) uh, in the series. And she did such a good job acting for a non-actor 
that yeah. I didn't feel any chemistry between the two of you. I only, I felt the chemistry between <laughs> Paradigm and Victor and Lydia, uh, which yeah. I thought was really interesting. So kudos to her. <laughs> let me tell you, uh, your wife did a heck of a job. Yeah, it's really interesting because, like, you know, it, it kind of fit into the character of, like, you know, they're, they've lost that, that, that spark, that, that feeling of, of having a, a real connection to each other uh, for many reasons that she gets into it in, in, in the uh, episode seven. But, you know, you know, I have to say for, for my wife to, you know, she's a nurse and you know, she did a little bit of acting in high school or whatever, but to, uh, to take on this role, uh, you know, and we had cast someone who, you know, we won't say her name, but she, you know, she's on Yellowstone now and she's, she's fantastic she's a, she's a a, a a real professional and she's uh you know as good as you can get and uh you know because of the pandemic she couldn't come inside she couldn't come inside and we had really thought about is there a way to shoot this character outside only or like and it just doesn't yeah feel right to never have her indoors at all um and so we uh we had to make that difficult decision and I asked my wife, I was like, are you, are you willing to do this? And, you know, we sat there and she had to do it within like five days. Uh, <laughs> she had to memorize all these lines and, and kind of put this all, all this work in, but I'm super proud of her uh, mm-hmm. for, for being able to come in and, and give the performance that she gives her not ever having, you know, had real acting experience. Um, I thought she did a, a fantastic job. Uh, I, amazing. I think she did a, a wonderful job, and the camera loves her. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. camera loves her. She's stunning. Yeah, she's stunning. Yeah. You know, that um, that was obvious. So, why, so what yeah. she was doing with Victor Vance, I don't know. <laughs> yes, yeah, the camera loves her more than Victor Vance, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> But in addition to, you know, we get this whole home life scenario of, of this superhero paradigm. He wants to be a normal guy. He wants to be human. Uh, we all know how that never works out in any, in the comics, in, in movies. You guys bring in everything from that zeitgeist, from the superhero zeitgeist. You bring it all in into... The story here, so there is something. Every trope, you you bring it in, you use it, you make fun of it, um, you play it to its greatest strengths, so that, I mean, it is just a fertile ground here of creativity with what you've done, um, and never to to dismiss or sell short the characters that you have created, Carl. In addition to Paradigm, you've got, I think, one of the best characters is, of course, Nightshade. Darian Willis, night, uh, who, super uh, superhero or villain, Nightshade. Andrew Bachelor. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and he's got... Yeah, he's incredible. Oh, and he's got the coolest, coolest ship. <laughs> you know, Tony Stark would be jealous of the ship that Nightshade has. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, that that was a lot of fun. Um, you know, Mark did an amazing job. We we wanted to end the beginning of the first one on a a real bang, and getting to see the Night Runner jet uh, in action um, was a real treat. And Mark pulled it off brilliantly. But yeah, um, Batch is a friend of mine. You know, it was it was lockdown, and he said, "Yeah, sure, I'll do this." And it was just one day of, of shooting to get all his scenes, and he hadn't really had time to prep. But wow. He's just so naturally talented that he, you know, knocked it out, and and we were able to actually like direct him and, and be there with him, uh, unlike a lot of other situations. So he he did an amazing job for us, and uh, and yeah, the character I always say is like the worst. If you took the worst parts of you know, Bruce Wayne and, and Tony Stark and combine them in one. That would probably be Nightshade. <laughs> That'd be Nightshade. 
And I, and I love Andrew anyway. I know Andrew, um, I've met him and spoken with him because of Dion Taylor and because he, he's been in some of Dion's movies. Yeah. He's in the new one that mm-hmm. Dion has coming out on January 27th, Fear. And Andrew is mm-hmm. one of the best, best aspects of the film. Um, nice. So, but, and he is just fabulous here in Grounded yeah. as Nightshade and very snappy dresser too. I, th- I think that's important to mention. And with the outfit, but but we we hope to continue the rivalry between um, Paradigm and and Nightshade in a kind of Batman Superman uh, fashion. So he he was really game for it, and he did a great job. I d- I just I absolutely love that. And then you get into some real, you know, we've got a real villain, super villain there with pr- Nick Hardiff as Professor Payne. And you can tell Professor Payne is has been causing a lot of pain in prison in a pla- in a plasma prison. I like the fact you can call up the prison to talk to him, and you're greeted with a voice with a voicemail. Um, just what every maximum security prison uh, requires of you know voicemail. With two different voices, it's very entertaining. And but being in the plasma, and here again, this is where Mark Renton he creates that whole plasma sensory vi- experience and makes it visual. And yeah. you get somebody like Nick who gets his face right into the lens <laughs> and he torques and twists his face and. I don't know how long he held his eyes open, guys. But there's some <laughs> scenes there. It's like he didn't blink for what, three minutes, four minutes. Um, and that's creepy in and of itself. That makes him look like a villain. You know, what led you to Nick uh, as Professor Payne? And where did you come up with the idea for Professor Payne? Um, well... For the idea, um, you know, I think we couldn't do a Superman analog without, like, a really good supervillain. You know, I think it all falls apart if there isn't uh, resistance and attention and and an antagonist. But also, like, the notion of Victor being a therapist, you know, you're going to want to have your main character do some internal healing. Mm -hmm. And I think part of that would mean theoretically making amends with uh, your biggest rival. Um, and, and so I think the notion is that, you know, we believe the pain isn't a threat because he's locked up, but, you know, um, never, never sleep on somebody as diabolical as Professor Payne. That's, you know, anybody who watches soap operas has long learned that through General Hospital. You never trust Heather Weber. <laughs> she can be locked up in an insane <laughs> asylum for the past 20 years still. <laughs> so. Yeah. And, and Nick. Nick, uh, Nick Cardiff is a, a dear friend of mine. I've known him for a very long time. And, uh, you know, he's always been uh, a phenomenal actor. He's also a great screenwriter, um, mm-hmm. just, just in, in general, just a, a all-around talent. And, uh, you know, he, he just kind of fit. He had the, the, the villain vibes. And, uh, did he he does. had him read for our, re- our, uh, our read-through. We did a read-through, Carl and I. And, man, he crushed it. Yeah. just from the read through we were we were both right afterwards we're like um i think we have to cast nick i mean there's, there's, there's no way around it this is he was incredible i mean he just he he came with the character already there and he, he kind of blew us all away i mean he, he was very uh committed right from the start from the very first time he read those lines okay well <laughs> you talk about committed i think the person that needs to be committed jeff blum as zeke aka mercury man Oh, my God. <laughs> I had to watch, and I can't yeah. remember which episode it is, where he's having a terrible, terrible, terrible problem with his rainbow diarrhea. <laughs> and yeah. Victor Vance won't let him use the bathroom in his house. Uh, <laughs> I was roaring. Jeff's physical comedy <laughs> is hysterical. I had to rewatch. Because I was laughing so hard, I missed the dialogue. I had to rewatch <laughs> that just to, to get all the dialogue, even though you don't need it. 
Yeah, <laughs> his acting is so good. <laughs> you know, what was the genesis of Mercury Man, and where did you find Jeff? Because he's a scream. Oh yeah, Jeff. Jeff is is multi talented. He's actually a partner at Redbird with us, as well as a phenomenal uh, comedic actor. <laughs> um, and you know, he again, like Nick, was just fully committed. Um, he did a, an audition tape for us that basically we could have just used instead of shooting. <laughs> so, you know, he had everything down with the camera movement and the energy and that turn once he gets sick. It's just, you know, the way that he uh, vibrates his body. It's <laughs> sick. It's hilarious every time. Uh, he, he was phenomenal. I, I don't recall when I've seen anything quite like that. It, it, in all honesty. <laughs> Uh, you know, and then we keep meeting more. We've got even more superheroes. We've got Vishpala. Tassie Lawrence beautifully plays Vishpala, um, which is an interesting, an interesting addition to the mix. It's nice to see a female superhero in there. Um, and I love the, I think she gives off a much more, human presence an upper echelon Paris Hilton kind of presence as <laughs> as Vishpala um, yeah yeah she, she's she's the type of person that doesn't doesn't take shit from anyone you know I mean she she definitely uh, can stand on her own two feet and uh, you know has certainly been able to you know she's been around for for millennia so she's 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 seen it all and, and done it all and um yeah, she was. She was. Uh, Tazy was incredible. Um, her presence was fantastic because she had this energy about her that was like she was super. Um, she was almost like hypnotic in the way she spoke. Mm -hmm. uh, but she, but she, she had this kind of quiet power behind her as well. Mm -hmm. Like you, you don't want to mess with Bishpala, you know. Mm -hmm. And so she had a she had a, a wonderful presence. And, I, I adored her her audition. I thought she was fantastic, and that she crushed it. Well, and the character of Vishpala, Carl, the way you've created her, is very contrary. She's very subdued in comparison to the other superheroes and supervillains. She's much yeah. more sedate and calm, and it's mm -hmm. almost she almost embodies that whole idea of. You know, when your parents, in not they're not yelling at you, but they're speaking quietly, <laughs> lecturing you, that's worse. You should be more <laughs> afraid then. That's kind of the vibe that her quietness gives out. Uh, and yeah. I'd like to see more in season two of her character. Because we learn so much about Professor Payne in these ep eight episodes. We learn a lot about Nightshade and definitely Mercury Man. Not as much about Vishpala, so I'm, I'd like to see more of what she does and can do in the second season. Absolutely, yeah. We, we, we've talked about that, and, you know, she kind of relates to the superheroic side of, of Victor, the, the alien side, you know, as, mm -hmm. as opposed to Kaylee um, and Lydia, her character, you know, relates to the Victor Vance side. This was somebody who understands what it means to be superhuman. Uh, she's kind of, you know, blasé in terms of uh, humanity because she's seen it all at this point, you know. And so for her, um, quarantine's really hard because she doesn't do what she's meant to do, which is, you know, protect people and, and be out there making a difference. So she's kind of going insane, and she's the only one who I think can get Victor on that, you know, elite superhuman level um, mm -hmm. where they can just be themselves around each other. So we definitely plan on leaning into that uh, in the second season. Well, and, and of course, I'm so thrilled because you can't have a group of superheroes, be it grounded, be it MCU, be it, be it DC. Um, you got to have somebody in the water. And we get Nautilus <laughs> with Victor Salvatore. <laughs> Oh, and you've got, once again, Carl, you've got some of the best jokes in there when he's making jokes about 
you know, sitting on a throne. Why? Why would anybody make a throne with coral to sit on? <laughs> and that's a very good point. Um, but here again, he gets to play. What Mark does with the VFX to create the ocean? Oh yeah, it, that is stunning. That yeah. is stunning. And I, I just have to say, like, I, a big shout out to Mark in general. Uh, I mean, like, the show would not be possible without Mark and, and what he's done, what he did, visual effects wise for this is is nothing short of incredible. And you know, uh, Carl and I have a deep adoration for his talents and what he what he brought to the table and. You know, as, as Carl says all the time, he was uh, the third part of our, our, our circle here, and he, he really was instrumental to this project coming coming to fruition and happening. I mean, his... Yeah. And a total pleasure to work with, too. His yeah. work is... The nicest is, guy and so creative. His work is outstanding. And to have yeah. somebody like Mark, who, you know, he worked with Mangold on Ford versus Ferrari, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2... Uh, he's no slouch, and he knows his, He knows, you know, VFX. He knows it quite well. He's done uh, compositing on quite a few things, but what he brings here, it's not some of the more. He's not creating creatures from another world. Not mm-hmm. doing CGI. He's truly doing visual effects and enhancing what you have. Um, he's building that world around the people. And mm-hmm. it, it, I just love what he does, what he does with color, what he does with things like Paradigm's laser eyes. Um, <laughs> or Herbie, little Herbie's laser, whatever Herbie <laughs> is doing. We don't know what Herbie's doing. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, Robot child Herbie is, he's, you know, I think I'm more afraid of Herbie than anyone else in the, in the series. Um, <laughs> Probably should be. You should be. You should be, yeah. Wait till season two, you know? <laughs> but Mark's work is just so standout and so seamless. Yeah. That's one of the big things. How did you, Carl, how did you, and Enrica, I know you had to be involved too doing the editing, how did the three of you collaborate? What was your process like for these visual effects? Yeah, that was, um, you know, part of realizing that we didn't have a lot of resources was trying to be as strategic with what we were seeing on screen. I mean, like you said, the, the last thing we wanted was for this to just be an in-camera bunch of boxes um, with talking heads, and, and we knew that if we could add some visual flair to the superhero universe, it, it would feel more authentic and give you something interesting to look at each episode. Um, so we really had to think about, like, what are the moments that we really want to like focus on for special effects? And, um, you know, thankfully, Mark is a wizard and can do nearly anything yeah. um, if we g- give him the time and enough um, kind of materials to work with um, when we shot. And, um, I think we really, really focused on, you know, some of the superpowers, uh, for each guest star. Mm-hmm. We knew that we had to, you know, be at the, the, you know, multiple replications of one character or the underwater stuff that we were talking about, um, with Nautilus. Um, you know, we really wanted to make sure that we delivered a superhero show that showed superpowers, but in ways you haven't seen them mm-hmm. like, you know we have victor vance um you know pulling, making some ice his, his arctic breath to put in his coffee you know? <laughs> yes. so you know there's just stuff that that we tried to have fun with and show superpowers in a more everyday context mm-hmm. no I, I can't say enough about mark's work and how these worlds it would this would not work without mark and without the ideas that you guys have and the collaborative nature and you giving him the freedom uh, to do what he yeah, needed yeah. to do. And I think that's one of the big things. And I think um, you guys know this. Carl, I, I'm, I know you know this intimately about 
when you're doing your own productions, such as Grounded, uh, or previously you did uh, Black Santa, um, mm-hmm. Weird Waters, when the less you have to answer to to the people above in the chain of command, the more creative and collaborative you and your department heads can be in executing the vision that you have. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, th- that was maybe the best part of this whole thing was we, we didn't really answer to anybody for something, a story, a full season of television, which I've never had that luxury <laughs> before. Um, so it was really wonderful. And, and I think Enrico and I at Redbird in general, you know, the, the joy of having your own company is that you can really just make the stuff that you want to make the way you want to make it, um, which is not to say, you know, it's, you, I don't love, it's not that I don't love collaborating in the studio system and you get the budget and, you know, there's some wonderful people there too, but to have something feel completely yours is a a very special thing. And, and, you know, that's what I really love the most about working with these guys was we were all in sync uh, with our mission. And I don't think if any piece fell off, we wouldn't have been able to accomplish this. Mm -hmm. So, you know, thank you to to everybody who, who made this a reality for us and chipped in. Well, I would be remiss not to mention one of our other, supervillain superheroes dr druid tom lipka i can't believe you hired tom lipka for this one um i know tom Tom. (laughs) i've known tom for years yeah tom used to work backstage that's right that's 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 correct and i've been Um, involved in other projects that he's been in with marie and steve so yeah that's right for for years they've, they've been collaborating um, yeah, Tom was great because he, he had the best costume, uh, that he made himself. Um, cause that was hard, you know, for us was we, we reached out to people who might already have some, some cool costumes that we could build characters around. And, um, you know, Tom, uh, is great at, at making those sorts mm-hmm. of things. And, you know, he delivered a really funny Dr. Strange parody for us, um, that, uh, you know, is, is kind of the thing that I've always felt is kind of disturbing about some of these characters is they, they take these, these ancient artifacts from these different cultures and don't really seem to care. <laughs> yeah. So we had some fun with that. Yeah. Now, speaking of costumes, Enrico, Paradigm's costume is pretty cool. Did you make yeah. that yourself? No, we, 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 we got that created, um, and that was certainly something that we wanted to focus a lot of our efforts on was to make sure that uh, Paradigm's costume looked as legitimate as humanly possible because, you know, we, we needed him to, to, to feel uh, as authentic as humanly possible for the audience to connect, and especially because we're seeing the world through his his eyes. Um, so we, we had that created, and, and it was... Uh, yeah, it was it was really uh, great to kind of step into that costume. It, it took a, a bit to put on, you know, all the pieces and, and everything that that had to happen. And because I had no no crew and no a real help, uh, you know, it it primarily fell on my father and my wife to <laughs> to get me in costume. Um, but it was a uh, it was a real joy to to wear. Well, I I just love it, and I love the colors. Nice color. In the costume. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's not bland. Um, so you do have defi- definition in, in a lot of the colors there. Um, I just think that, ca- that costume looks really great. It really, yeah. really it does. Absolutely. And hopefully in, in season two we can refine it even more and really kind of build on what, what we created in season one. Uh, and, you know, when we open up, we want to definitely open up in a cinematic universe uh, for season two and, and get, get these characters outside of their homes um, you know, and into, you know, normal life. Well, something that you do, speaking of normal life, you make sure to have real human people uh, in all the episodes. I mean, we meet Victor Vance's parents, the direct Superman takeoff found you in a bean field ship landed in the bean field and we raised you um and they're very and they play it up as country bumpkins but with that actually great 
old school kind of 1930s, 40s parental advice. Um, (laughs) So we get the humanity there. When in episode one, you start off with being bombarded with news reports. Uh, And, of course, I don't know why you hired the guy. But some guy named Steve Alaric you hired to play the police <laughs> lieutenant. Uh, and I can abuse Steve. All of our regular listeners, Steve's been here in studio and on the show, I think, four times already. Um, <laughs> so everybody knows Steve. And Steve and I go back, yeah. I think, what, 18, 19 years we've known each other now? Oh, wow. Yeah, oh, wow. a long time. So I'm always happy to see him popping up on things, just like I'm happy when I see Tom popping up in something. But I like that you give us enough human people uh, versus the superheroes that so we can see the differentials. You always mm-hmm. remind us of that, because even though they're all trying, they're forced to be in the human world now uh, and trying to adjust their superpowers and not use them, or use them and like burn holes in the backyard um, with laser <laughs> eyes. It, it gives us. It keeps reminding us as the audience that this is not a this is not a superhero world. This is our world, a real world, and <laughs> they're just in it. Um, and I really like that aspect. And. You build on this with every episode. By the time we get to episode seven, Paradoom, uh, and we meet an evil, an evil Victor Vance paradigm. You're just going for broke at this point. Uh, (laughs) You're going for broke. And then you hit episode eight, and I'm not giving away anything about that because that (laughs) just will blow your minds. And it's it just... That, I think, is one of the best edited episodes, Enrico. Thank you. I really think that you have episode eight so tightly cut that we're on edge with what Mm -hmm. we're seeing happen. Um, Really well, well done. Uh, And as soon as it ended... Yeah, it's a culmination of of a lot of of stuff that we've been uh, building up to, so... Uh, it was a great one that is. Yeah, and the icing on the cake for all of this is Sean Chasen's score. This is a mm-hmm. fun, it's a fun score. What were you looking for musically for this? Because there are motifs, distinct motifs in each episode. There are character motifs. I mean, this is a full-blown mm-hmm. uh, musical compositions have been developed here. Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. Sean, I I love working. Um, he's kind of my go-to guy. But um, what we knew for this was that you know we didn't have the budget that some other superhero shows and movies had, but uh, we could probably give you that same sense musically to kind of remind you of the epic quality of these worlds and these characters. And we told Sean to really treat it that way, like a John Williams score, um, yeah. and. And, and to contrast and that against, the, yeah, he did an amazing job. But it yeah, contrasts so well, I think, against the mundane, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, nature of Victor for comedic purposes. So um, he couldn't have done a more amazing job. Uh, I'm, I'm super, super happy with what he turned in. And like you said, each character, you know, almost has their own theme. And he really dove in in a way that um, makes the show come alive. Yeah, the, the music is, is outstanding. It is really outstanding. Um, I just, and I'm so big on score uh, because so, so often filmmakers and television uh, makers, they, they overlook that. They don't, mm-hmm. they don't think that that is as important as it should be because there are many times a score can help carry you through. Sometimes you just yeah. need it as an, as an undercurrent. Here you just need it as an undercurrent. And then to get those, mm-hmm. those superhero swells Every once in a while, uh, when Paradigm needs to suddenly clean the house for a change. Um, you know, those important things. Now, irrespective of Enrico playing Victor Vance in Paradigm, 
I want to ask each of you, do you have a favorite character in this series that you yourself are connected to? You see yourself in? Ooh. Oh, man. <laughs> Carol, you can go first. Oh. I'm going to go first. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's a really, really good question. I guess, yeah. you know, a replicator, um, the replicator is, is an interesting one for me because, you know, for him, it's dealing with all these kind of different aspects of who he is and what his identity really is. Um, you know, I think we all, to some degree, you know, depending on who we're around or how we're feeling a certain day, um, can feel like we're being pulled in a lot of different directions. Um, and so I think I identify with that on a level. And for yeah. you... I mean, I mean, I feel like, uh, you know, it's hard not to say Paradigm Victor Vance. So I'm, I'm not going to say Paradigm Victor Vance just because I play the character. So obviously <laughs> I felt very connected to him. But I'd say outside of outside of him, um, I would say Mercury Man because, like, you know, there was this uh, great desire to just get the heck out of the house and just be free during the pandemic and just, like, in, interact in a normal way and, like, I feel like he was all of us in that moment where he just couldn't stand it anymore. He just needed to get out. He didn't even care what would happen. He just needed to get out and feel the fresh air on his face. And so, uh, you know, to me, that that was very much because especially editing it, you know, once we shot it, which was a very uh, long process of, sh of actually shooting this with no crew, um, you know, I, I sat in a room for sometimes 16 hours a day cutting this uh, and it just took, you know, I just felt like I was just in a, in a little bunker for months. It felt like, so, uh, you know, it, I definitely had that mercury man feeling of just wanting to get out and just unleash and just, you know, live life again. Well, you guys clearly have an affinity for superheroes and supervillains because not only, do you have grounded eight episodes with a second season on the way sooner rather than later, I hope. But we're all involved in this other very sweet little short about another kind of superhero called The New Knight. And Carl, you're a co-director with Steve Alaric on this one. Uh, mm -hmm. Steve wrote it. He plays Batman. We're not gonna. We're not gonna <laughs> keep that hidden in in a custom made Batman suit that uh, <laughs> the world doesn't need to know. That all the conversations I had with him about are you insane um, over this Batman suit, which is stunning. Which I think he should really donate to season two for some purpose for grounded. I, I'm just oh. saying. I'm just saying, boys. You know, we can repurpose it, absolutely. Uh, yeah, that's a great... That is the mother of invention with indie film and, and TV. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. You know, spray paint a different color, do something. So, clearly you guys love superheroes. So, what... Because, uh, Enrico, you're also an associate producer on The New Night. You're also the editor on The New Night. And here again, you cut it so beautifully. The opening yeah, sequence, the opening darkness, it, because it starts out so dark, and it's actually shot beautifully. Uh, but the darkness and the way you cut it with just a piece, a piece, a piece, you know, a foot, pearls, uh, thugs, mm -hmm. you know, muggers' faces, the glint of a knife, it is rapier the way you've cut that. Um, uh, and I just fell in love with that when I first saw the the film, when I first saw the short. Um, so thank you so much. Yeah, Rico was there that day when I directed that opening sequence. Uh, um, it was it was in a an alley <laughs> in the middle of the night in L.A. Um, and we <laughs> we lost two hours because of technical issues, and we were scrambling, but everybody pulled together and. You know, Enrico came to help um, on set that day, and it, it turned out really well. We're, we're super proud of that movie. We just played 
the Austin film festival. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a beautiful story that Steve created. No, yeah. it is, and it's one that he'd been playing with for a while in a different, mm-hmm. in a different kind of format. Um, mm-hmm. He's been dabbling, and I think it took him a while before he hit on that superhero idea uh, mm-hmm. of a young boy who, you know, who doesn't look like all the superheroes. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is something that, and even and Marie couldn't even answer this question for me because I had asked her before. Um, you got a lot of images in the new night, comic book images. Was there mm-hmm. any licensing? Or did you run into any licensing issues with any of that? Not yet. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's basically we're not in any way making any money off of right. the film. Um, so we're hoping that that, you know, it's, it's a fan film essentially. But, you know, it's, it's less about Batman as much as oh. it is about um, a young boy experiencing a kind of racial awakening um, and dealing with some of the issues that he's going to face in, in the future from society. Um, so I think, you know, the message is a little bit different than mm-hmm. something that's trying to explain characters in, a, in another kind of way. Yeah. No, I, but I just want the lawyer in me always thinks of these questions. And, and you know, sometimes people don't listen to their consulting producer when they are asked. So, <laughs> and you, you, you yeah, I mean, the, 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 par- the parody law protects, uh, you know, obviously yes. we're not, um, you know, we're not a DC film right. for that. So the parody law protects, you know, as long as it's considered a fan film, which it is. I mean, because it's yeah. got Batman. But it's got, you know, we, we wanted to be more than just a fan film about Batman. Like, like Carl said, I think it's important for people to understand uh, the story of the little boy and kind of, uh, you know, what what his kind of arc, his story arc is. And I think mm-hmm. it's a beautiful one. It's an important one, especially during uh, these times. Oh, time. I mean, it's it's an incredible arc. And he is just a little charmer. Yeah, uh, you yeah. know our our He's little great. our little Batman obsessed boy is he is a little charmer, and it, it, he just steals your heart when you watch this. And of, of course, Sean yeah. does score that the new night as well. Yeah, yeah. Which, uh, like you you hear in Grounded, that superhero nature to mm-hmm. some of it, but very fun, intimate, playful. For a lot of it and then emotional um throughout as well um and he bounced it all tonally you know really really beautifully you know and this this brings up a, an interesting question you know what is it about superheroes that attracts you guys you come up with grounded with a variety of superheroes and supervillains you get involved um with steve's idea on the new night which is about a superhero and a little boy who mm-hmm. himself, you know, every kid wants to be a superhero. And mm-hmm. even in a world of bullying and racial issues, he still wants to be a superhero. Um, yeah. And they come in yeah. all different shapes and sizes. And mm-hmm. this little guy is a perfect example of a superhero. So uh, I'm curious, what is it? about superheroes that speaks to each of you what draws you to these characters to these stories yeah go ahead i mean i'll go first because i know carl you carl's an encyclopedia for for superheroes so i'm sure he this is probably more in depth than mine but i mean i to me all i can say is that you know i grew up reading comics um you know i would i would my dad would take me to the comic book store every Tuesday for new releases. And, you know, I would be so excited about it. And I, I always say that um, reading comics birthed my imagination. It gave me my creativity in a lot of ways. Um, being able to see things on such an epic level, um, beautiful storytelling, um, you know, it, it was so immersive that I felt like it just spawned my imagination and, and made me who I am today in a lot of ways. Um, and, and I think that that uh, really I did, uh, it helped shape 
my my personality and kind of my uh, as I still like to consider um, I'm an idea guy. I love to I love to come up with grand ideas. I think that's all from um, my you know reading reading comics as a little kid and opening up my imagination. And what about for you, Carl? Um, yeah, for me, you know, I've always loved myth. Um, you know, the Odyssey. I had a picture book when I was a kid. Um, Beowulf. You know, these kind of stories that transcend time. And I feel like the values um, that we see in those ancient myths are kind of passed down now into these superheroes. And that's why they're so popular these days is because they speak to these kind of universal wish fulfillment and, and um, desires that we all have to be able to make an immediate difference in the world and, and feel empowered to overcome any obstacle. Um, and I think there's so much richness and variety uh, in these worlds, um, in deconstructing them because they are myths, because they are tropes. Um, and grounding them, bringing them back to a, a human level again um, so that we see ourselves in them and recognize, like in The New Night, sometimes a hero can be a little boy. You know, sometimes it's just standing up for yourself that makes you a superhero. So, you know, for me, these are all concepts that, as a storyteller, are, you know, fertile ground to play with. And I'm sure that for both of you, there's still two little boys in there that always dreamt of being superheroes. Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. And now you are. You're superheroes in... <laughs> you truly are. You're superheroes yeah. in telling stories like The New Knight, like Grounded. Um, you know, you've got a... You know, as funny as Grounded is, there's a lot of underlying moral codes. Mm that we're seeing with parental conversations and parental advice and the advice of friends between Lydia mm -hmm. and Victor. Um, mm -hmm. So you are superheroes in your own right. So you, uh, thank you. Sir. So now when do I get thank season you. two of grounded? <laughs> well, when we get it funded, <laughs> You know, we have uh, we have a really great idea for season two and how to open up the world and and kind of one, one thing Carl and I because you know we're filmmakers and, and this is what we do we want to we want to open this up in the cinematic universe and and really see these characters in a cinematic lens mm -hmm. because there was a lot of you know um, you know we were limited by the lack of um, crew and people right. that we could be on set because during the times that we shot this and so um, we we're yearning to to kind of get this out in the open and and really move the camera and see see this from a different perspective and we've got a really fun engaging story for season two so we're hoping that we get a lot of eyeballs on it on tubi and uh you know they they get enough interest to to hopefully green light uh, a second season or, or we find it somewhere else mm -hmm. would you ever do anything uh crowdfunding indiegogo something like that Potentially, I think the amount of money that would be needed for an entire second season would probably be a lot. So yeah, I'm not sure if that would no, work. I don't, I don't have necessarily that much experience in the in the crowdfunding world, so I don't know how much would be able to be, um, you know, raised in, in, in that capacity. Well, we may find out. We may have to find out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. Oh. Guys, I can't thank you enough. This has been so wonderful getting to, getting to talk with both of you about Grounded and also a little bit about The New Night. Uh, an absolute joy. Yeah. I love the series. I think everybody should see it. As, as we've said several times, it's on Tubi. It's free. Um, so there's no excuse. <laughs> you can watch it 24 hours a day. Um, yeah. It's... It's it's fantastic, guys. So much fun, uh, and having you well, on the show so has been fun. Yeah, I hope you, Debbie, you've been a huge support, and we really appreciate it. I hope you guys yeah. will come back on the show again. Absolutely, Absolutely. yeah. Do well, good.
good. Get to work and make something and, you know, come back. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, thank Thank you you so much. much. You have a wonderful rest of your day and a great holiday. You too. Yeah, take care, Debbie. Bye-bye. And that was Carl Reed and Enrico Natale talking about Grounded. And we even got a little bit into the new night. Um, So that is all the time we have today. Um, No chatting on Golden Globe nominations this morning. No real surprises in the best picture. Uh, Big surprise for many is it Tom Cruise, who has a international audiences love him he did not get an individual nomination for his performance in top gun maverick the film however did get a best picture nomination so we'll see what happens how the golden globes will be back on television in february we'll be talking i'll talk more about them uh if not next week with uh frank but in january so Until next week, our final show of 2022, Frank Meyer, musician, singer, songwriter, producer, director. Frank is going to be here with me for the full hour next week. And who knows what kind of trouble the two of us are going to get into. Who knows? But until then, I'm Debbie Elias. This is Behind the Lens. (laughs) 